everybody. Welcome back to the Fan Club Podcast. We are excited to introduce our guest and new friend of the Hockey Guys, former NCAA D1 quarterback and current TV analyst for the USC Trojans, Mr. Max Brown. How's it going, dude? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no, pumped, uh, pumped to be here bright and early. Appreciate you, <laughs> appreciate appreciate you having that. me. We appreciate you. Where are you coming to us from? I'm coming to you from Los Angeles, California, Ooh. out here on the West Coast. Bet the weather's nice there today. That's the thing. Uh, where, where are you guys based out of? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. <laughs> so I have no room to complain, but it was like the worst weather, worst rain LA's ever had like the past decade this past week. So oh, yeah, that's reminds right. me of my Seattle roots, but I'm sure the sun will be back here in, in no time. Yeah, true. I mean, we got about 25 degrees and ice on the roads, so... Yeah, I'll take a, we'll take rain over the snow. I hear. I, I should have known the answer. I hear a little bit of the accent too. I should have should have already known. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can't really complain about our nine thirty morning for nope. this because if you're here at seven thirty down down there, then yeah, we can uh, shut our mouth. No, about I pre- that. like that was clutch. I, sometimes West Coasters, you know, you gotta gotta be after like nine a.m. So when you guys gave me the green light for seven thirty, I was like, sweet, let's do it. Yeah, yeah we appreciate that for sure. So, Max, if you would like to take a couple minutes, maybe explain who you are, what you did, a little bit of your story. We'll get into more of it. But just to the people who don't know and are listening, explain who is Max Brown and why are we interviewing you today? Who is Max Brown? Yeah, I would say currently I am a uh, cultural football analyst for the Pac-12 Networks and Sirius XM Radio. I do some stuff for uh, USC as well with their... uh, just athletic department and content there. Um, I'm also a commercial real estate broker here in uh, in LA. It's kind of my my day job. So that's that's the current Max Brown, the the old Max Brown in a prior life. Uh, most most noteworthy, I was the number one quarterback in the country in the class of 2013. Um, that was the class with Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, um, Davis Webb, uh, other Josh Dobbs, other names that are front of mind for football fans and. Um, some people listening to this might know me, probably most people are like, who the heck is this dude? Why is he not playing in the NFL? And a lot of what I've done, uh, post football is kind of share life after football for, uh, what some people would call a bust and kind of the, the harsh realities of, um, you know, kind of where, where that lands. And I'm not the only guy out there. I'm maybe one of the few that are outspoken about, or at least share, share the post football life. But, uh, yeah, I played at USC, finished up at Pitt, um, had a bunch of head coaches in college. I've had a, had a few business experiences post-college. I, I got hurt to finish my uh, my college career, so I never got a true shake at the NFL. Had a couple tryouts for the Steelers and at the time the uh, the, the Redskins, now the, now the Commanders, but uh, ultimately pivoted away from football and in 2018, I got my start in broadcasting by making YouTube videos, breaking down college games in my kitchen, which uh, got my foot in the door. And ever since in the past, like four or five years, kind of just chipped away, got a bigger gig every year. And um, yeah, excited, excited for uh, for what's ahead. That's super cool. Thank you. Um, You mentioned making videos in your kitchen. This was, I mean, we, I didn't know any of that. So I'm glad that you said yeah. that. So that's kind of where you started and where and how you built this pedigree for becoming, getting on TV and getting your, what do they call that? A reel, your TV reel kind of thing. So you kind of had a homemade reel. Dude, exactly. I mean, and that, that's one thing I think people um, underestimate of why I did the YouTube videos. Cause I get comments now like, where, where are you? I miss you on YouTube. 
But the whole goal originally was I never had any experience. I never took broadcasting classes. I never did like the whole in the locker room interviews or any of that. But I knew I wanted the my North Star for broadcasting is to be a color commentator in the booth um, for big time college football games. And um, in 2018, when I was asking mentors like, hey, how do I get into this industry? Across the board, it was two things. One, just get reps, however you, however you can. I don't care if you're announcing Nintendo video games or if you're doing it in front of your, 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 your TV, sitting on your couch or whatever, just get reps. So my version of that was make YouTube videos. And at the time, that's when Dan Orlovsky's career was really taken off. Um, and for those that don't remember, obviously you see him every day on ESPN. Mm-hmm. But he started literally in his basement with a camera phone um, filming his uh, projector breaking down the X's and O's side of football. And that's how he got his foot in the, in the door. Because keep in mind, Orlowski is a relatively random NFL quarterback, but that's how he got in the door. And I looked at that content and said, hey, I can do that, or I can do my variation of that. But uh, I had a little bit higher production value. So it's more like a TV show, like an episode for YouTube. And uh, yeah, ultimately that was able, I was able to package that for a reel. And uh, not only did it showcase kind of what I could do and what I know, but it also for decision makers at a Pac-12 network or a SiriusXM, they're like, hey, dude, this kid's hungry. This kid's not just waiting, standing by for someone to give him an opportunity. He's going to buckle down in his kitchen with his sink behind him. And um, it doesn't matter what he look, what, what it looks like. He's uh, he's finding a way to, to make something happen. That's awesome. How how bad were you in front of the camera when you first started in your kitchen? <laughs> like, obviously, probably had no idea how to make a video even. Like, what was the learning experience like for you doing that? Because that's kind of how we started too. just not much of a background in it. None, none of us went to school for it. So I can kind of relate to the homemade videos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys can certainly relate to this. I remember, uh, you know, it taking 16 cuts to get like the right intro and 17 cuts to get the right outro and overthinking everything and all that. I was lucky in that as a quarterback at USC and Pitt and my high school career, I had a lot of like interviews in front of cam- in front of the camera, so I wasn't like totally raw. But don't get me wrong, that 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 ramp up period for the YouTube side was a lot. And luckily, I had one of my best buds stood up at my wedding uh, a few months ago. He uh, helped me out on the side editing the videos and compiling them together. So I'm not as much on the editing side. I can I can do my thing, but the uh, yeah, it took a lot of reps to to get used to the intros and the outros for sure. That's super cool. And definitely something that we relate to because of just how we were so raw and so random kind of, mm-hmm. and it took so many takes. And even here, this is our second podcast guest. I mean, we still feel a little rusty and learning how to do it. It's definitely different. Um, like the intro side too, yeah. that, yeah, you you'll refilm an intro 16 times <laughs> just because you feel like it has to be perfect right off the bat when in reality it's like you're never going to get it perfect it's going to take 300 tries probably until you actually get comfortable with it so i don't know it's been definitely a journey with that and it's cool that you've had that same experience because i feel like a lot of people starting out will always feel that way Mm -hmm. one last little point about that i know the hardest part for me when i got into broadcasting it was not you know, calling games in the booth and reacting on the fly. It was asking questions. That's the heart and, and transitions in and out. For me, that's that. like when I host a Sirius XM radio shows, being smooth and asking the right questions and not being robotic and, you know, having it flow one question after another and getting guests in and out of uh, of series and segments. 
it's the, the greats make it look so easy. And uh, it certainly certainly is not. So that was my biggest learning curve getting into the industry. Yeah, we had a couple uh, random TV interviews, I think last spring and and a radio one. And I was sitting there just panicking, like hearts racing, don't even know how to answer these questions. Just give the subtle, the subtle and standard. Yep. All good. Uh, did this, did this, did this. But Max, I wanted to talk to you. Obviously, you're a D1 athlete. We were Division three athletes. This is definitely not a sports podcast, but uh, just kind of wanted to talk to you about what was it like being a Division one football player, especially at USC and Pitt, two major schools. Um, we just briefly chat about what you learned from it. Maybe not necessarily on the sports side, but on the other side of the world side. Yeah, it was a blessing, man. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Like growing up, like that's the dream, right? And for me, a West Coast kid, I grew up in the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart era of college football. So going to USC, like that was it, man. That was that was the pinnacle of college football. So in that respect, it was awesome. I mean, being able to wear that jersey, walk out of the Coliseum, be a USC quarterback, um, live your dream was awesome. I think on the other side, uh, you know, in, in in many respects, I viewed that as like my mission, my mission and my calling. So it wasn't like, uh, and this is one thing I think a lot of people are kind of the average fan that um, maybe not can't relate to, but it wasn't like it was this every day you're walking out and it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And this is like, this is the dreamland. Like, no, after the first month, like it becomes work and it becomes your job and it becomes like, you know, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to do something. I'm here to have success and make the NFL and, you know, win a championship and all that. And so I think the, the luster wears off, um, in the first month or two, which maybe isn't the most fun thing to say, but it's the truth. And, uh, I say that only because I get some pushback in my type of content when people say, oh, Max, well, you were just so lucky to be at USC. And don't get me wrong. It was an absolute blessing. But with that came some of the uh, some of the tough parts. And I think I learned uh, a lot about what it means to be gritty, to persevere when you're getting reamed on social media, when people are calling your names and why aren't you playing and you suck and you're this and all that. Like that's the that's the dark side, especially when you're working your ass off and it's year after year, you know, showing up and 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 putting your best foot forward and, and not seeing the results that's tough but it's also life and i think i had a you know my college career set me up in a weird way i would have never wanted this way but it set me up to be you know a, a battle-tested adult going into the the next phase of life which which certainly was a blessing um that whole experience kind of getting used to getting dragged through the mud a little bit and what happens when life you know um punches you in the face so to speak so those lessons were invaluable but uh i mean to circle back or make it full circle at the end of the day, it's college football. I mean, I had the opportunity to play on the road at Oregon, uh, on the road at Utah, on the road at Penn state, Virginia tech thing. Those, those are the stadiums that you grow up watching that you're playing NCAA football with. So that part was amazing. But uh, I, I, uh, I say that more sobering comments cause that's my reality and not everyone necessarily has the, the fairy tale college football career. I wasn't um, fortunate enough to have that, but uh, I wouldn't change it because it's made me who uh, who I am, and uh, it was I'm I'm uh, I'm better because of it for sure. Yeah, we kind of can relate to that a little bit, just because we kind of joke about. Obviously, if you play D three, your chances of making it to the NHL are pretty slim. But we joked about how, as kids, we always thought we would kind of make it or try to make it to the NHL, but just with doing this social media stuff, we've been working with the NHL itself and all the teams. So we've kind of joked around, we did make it to the NHL, but just in a different way 
whether that we weren't playing, but more still involved in the sport, kind of like you. I, I like that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, every, every pass different. I think I got the first seed planted in me of like, Oh, maybe color commentating is something I want to do. When I was a backup at USC, like funny enough on Fridays for practice, they, uh, the starter gets all the reps and they do like two minute drills and all that. And I would just kind of screw around on the sideline and, you know, announce the two minute drill. And then it became a thing where like five of my teammates would listen and then 10 of my teammates would listen. And then a coach would come in and kind of like be my color commentator in that. And I only said because at the time I was like, oh, this is, this will be fun to try in 20 years when I'm done playing in the NFL. But sure enough, 20 years turned into three years, four years. And uh, it's been a blessing to, to, to be, to be around the game. And uh, it was tough transitioning that first year out of football. Cause you're kind of like, man, I should be playing some of those emotions are raw and whatnot, but now I'm five, six years out and, Love being around the game. Love having to be a part of my uh, life. And I like that point of, you know, maybe uh, making it in your sport kind of looks looks different for, uh, for for each guy. Yeah, with you, um, I was looking through your TikTok videos, and I believe in one of your captions, and it caught my eye because I've always loved this saying too, but you can only really connect the dots looking backwards. And that was something that I feel like when you said of like the color comment and how that connected to what you're doing in the future but not necessarily you didn't know that you're going to be doing that when you started but um to you like how much has looking back now been that impact and that you can really only see the path when you're here today but starting things obviously five years ago when that was it's it's totally different yeah no that love that quote as well it's the yeah the steve jobs former Apple CEO, a little, the graduation speech. I mean, it's been a big part of me. And I think that's one thing um, when I was in it and thing and times weren't the best, I kind of always had the perspective to be like, it doesn't do me any good to, you know, either blast my coach in the media or be like a, Hey, I want, I want people to feel sorry for me or start complaining or start bad mouthing or leave just like burn bridges, I guess. And I never, never did that. And what's cool kind of about my story is, you know, a lot of the breaks that I've got broadcasting and kind of post football are coming from place like you, like the USC US SID who, um, you know, he's like the point man for all media contacts. Like when I was getting benched and those were dark times, he was the guy that was like, Max, you got to do this interview. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I would like, you know, gear up and do the interview and all that. And then full, come full circle in 2019, there was a, a spot that opened up for the USC radio. And like that guy's the guy that vouches for me to be like, you know what, let's give this max guy a character. Like, and if I had, you know, bad mouth the school or complained or been poor me, like there's no way I get that opportunity. And then who knows where my broadcasting career is. So in terms of like connecting the dots, looking backwards, I think a lot, it, it, in my life, there's multiple occasions where it's, you know, someone helping me out from one phase of life in a different phase of life. And it's cool that, you know, it uh, life has a funny way of even though they're different chapters, kind of connecting the thread there uh, in unexpected ways. Yeah, definitely. So, Max, what did uh, what did you study at, at school, and how did you end up working with Gary V post graduation? I was a classic. I was a comm major in uh, in college. Uh, I was in college so long. I I actually did get my MBA uh, oh. from SC. Um, I just, you know, was going to school for, for year, year round um, with football. Uh, but I got my job 
from Gary V, by way, hence my last comment, mm-hmm. from Sam Darnold, the guy that uh, ultimately beat me out and um, still a buddy of mine today. But yeah, in 2018, um, going into 2019, I knew, you know, my time playing was was done. And I messaged Sam and was like, hey, man, at the time, Sam was playing for the Jets. For those that don't know, Gary V is a huge Jets guy. And I messaged Sam and was like, hey, man, um, I don't really know what I want to do post football, but um, got some advice of if you don't know what to do, go work for someone that you admire or uh, you view as a mentor figure for me at that time still is. But especially at that time, uh, Gary V was certainly that guy. I hit up Sam and was like, could you put in a good word or see if you could do anything? He's like, yeah, of course, man. And uh, sure enough, a couple months later, I was and had two uh, two check bags and was flying out to New York to to start a new new chapter working for uh, for Gary V. That's amazing. What did you all do for him specifically? Like, what was your days like working there? Yeah, so Gary, at least when I worked for him, had a personal content team of thirty people. So <laughs> you guys are in the content space. We both are. Can imagine how streamlined you could have everything with 30 people full-time people helping you with uh with content yeah that dude's a machine i got nothing but good things to say about him he's genuine authentic and he's a beast he he works his ass off um but for me personally i like a lot of people on his team i wore a bunch of different hats you know i helped with content best practices in terms of formatting titling intros outros uh ctas things a lot things of that nature uh specifically with instagram which was the his focus at the time it was interesting. He was ahead of time with TikTok um, in 2019. I remember him telling me, dude, you got to post on TikTok. Got to post on TikTok. And classic, I was like, dude, that, I don't got time for so that that's or why whatever. you started? Did he uh, get you to start? My first video is in 2019. And yes, that's what got me to start. But at the time, I was like, dude, this is rinky dink. Like, what are we <laughs> like? What, what are we doing here? And I didn't really fully buy in, honestly, until this past fall, which that's, that's on me. But uh, he was he was cutting edge for for TikTok and I helped my primary duty outside of the content stuff was I ran ads for him. So he has some businesses on the side and uh, running Facebook, Google, um, YouTube ads to his audience um, and strategizing around that was my, my main responsibility. That's incredible. He's someone that we definitely look up to as well and have learned a lot from him. What would you say? He's the man. Um, something personal that maybe people don't know about him. I mean, his life's pretty open. <laughs> Everyone knows that he is a machine, like you said, but what's something maybe personal about him that he shared with you that um, really inspired you or motivated you or just like a little thing he does daily that maybe people do not know? I think big picture, and I get, as you guys could probably imagine, Gary, for some people can be a polarizing figure because mm-hmm. they first learned of him in 2015 when he's screaming at the camera telling you to get your ass out of, out of bed and go to work. He's obviously toned down from that. But I notice a lot of people are like, dude, this guy's ruthless. Or like this guy, like this guy's crazy. Like what? Like uh, he, he's not my type of guy. And in my experience, most people that say that they need to watch Gary's content. Because if you listen to the true message of Gary's content, it's a lot about empathy, perspective, self, self-awareness, um, those more, um, warm topics, which his delivery can sometimes be cutthroat, but that's what people need. So I think, uh, that's the first and foremost is Gary talks a lot about, a lot about, you know, those topics I just mentioned rather than hard work when you truly, truly listen to his message and, and dive in. I think, um, 
more of a tactical thing. That dude is so efficient. And I think I probably his schedule at some point kind of comes in my mind probably every week of he's, he's big on, can I make a 20 minute meeting seven minutes? You know, can I make a 30 minute meeting 17 minutes? And you do that throughout. If you make that a mindset throughout the day, like you can get so much more done. And especially for a guy like me, I got the real estate stuff. I got the TikTok stuff. I got the broadcasting stuff. Like it's so easy for days to just disappear where Gary makes it a point of, we don't need to have these long meetings. And not that you're rushing people, not that you're being, you're not, you're not being like a dick in meetings. You're just getting this show on the road and not, you know, um, stretching things out. And that's a big reason why Gary is so productive. And I also think one thing that I've adopted in my life is people love talking about, hey, you got to focus on one thing and, and, and only that one thing. And if you don't focus on that one thing, like then you're going to fail, like that type of mindset. Gary does the exact opposite, right? He has so many irons in the fire and inevitably things are going to fall through the cracks, right? He's maybe not going to be as productive in one arena, but because he has so many irons in the fire, he, he's able to do a lot of stuff. He's not getting burnt out in one thing. He's able to leverage one iron off the other iron. And I think that I've adopted that in my life of, you know, not saying, hey, I have to be full-time broadcasting, being wary that I don't want to spread myself too thin and, and handicap my career, but how do I leverage the broadcasting into real estate? How do I leverage both of those into TikTok? That type of mindset, I think, is uh, always fun of me. And I would say Gary really uh, pounded that into my head. Yeah, that's that's good. That's super I can only imagine how like impactful just working for him for a little bit would be and the takeaways that you'd have after after that. Like, again, just the, what you just mentioned, um, that'd be really cool. I'm sure that's just like the most valuable thing you could have for the next little bit of your life yeah i feel like he just like brings energy to the room whenever he walks in there everyone kind of perks up a little bit see what has to hear what he has to say it's something we can learn from too is yeah shortening our meetings sometimes meetings from now on yeah i think everyone likes to ramble on 30 people on my content team (laughs) yeah no be nice to have the 30 person content team no i mean and even from more like the tactical stuff. Gary is just so smart. Like when you go back, he was right about, you know, early two thousands, right about Google ads, right about Twitter in 2006, right about Instagram, right about TikTok. right. He's, we're going to blink in a year, year or two, he's going to be spot on with NFTs, right? Like the dude, the dude is flat out smart. Even if you don't, even if his style maybe isn't your cup of tea, um, that dude's got, got info. He's, 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 he's as bright as they come. That's super cool. So you mentioned somehow mixing your real estate life and your football life on social media. Um, do you plan or do you have that? I may not know post a lot about your real estate life, what it takes. Cause we all see a bunch of real estate agents on TikTok and all so- social media, but do you have a plan to start doing that more or would you rather do more of sh- more of sharing just your story um kind of what is your goal for social media yeah i mean i definitely want to um share more i think the real estate industry like the true especially the commercial side residential is one thing with the commercial side there's, there's not a lot of content creators in that space and it's because the space is very institutionalized and i think like in my office, my boss knows I do TikToks, but that's like mind blowing. Like what, like how, like what, what are you, what are you doing type of thing versus in sports? It's obviously much more, much more mainstream. 
I want to get to a place where I share every aspect of my life. You know, my personal story kind of connecting the dots backward, like we talked about the current broadcasting stuff and breaking down plays. I got one behind my head here. I forgot to erase that. <laughs> um, and then the real estate stuff as well. Um, I've noticed in my real estate business, like one of my clients, you know, one of the first questions he always asks me, at least in the fall is, you know, what game we call him this weekend. And so it's not a, Hey, how's the new deal going? It's, you know, he's wanting to know what's going on on the football side of things, which that's kind of where I, how I see things blending a little bit in terms of an icebreaker. But uh, yeah, I want to share all of uh, all aspects of my life. I think so much of it's just getting the systems and processes down, making it a priority. That's one thing. I think it's so easy for social to just, you know, fall towards the last item on your to-do list. I'm trying to make an intention to make it the first or second one, just so it's not lost because it is so valuable. And I think the ultimate goal is um, it's not lost upon me that, I'm not a huge name quarterback. Um, and so I think I need to win on social to make sure that my brand stays relevant for a broadcasting perspective. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's the reality of what it is. And uh, I think that's more of the competitive nature in that. And then I also think this whole content machine is not going anywhere anytime soon. So to stay relevant, you got to have a presence in there, at least from a broadcasting perspective. And I think you can leverage other things off of that. Yeah, totally. Uh, that kind of leads into what I was going to ask about. Obviously, college football season, you're playing, have to get ready, all that stuff. How do you, how does it switch now for broadcasting side of things? Now that the season's over, are you looking back at older games, breaking those down? Are you breaking down the new season coming up? Or how does it, how is your uh, off season kind of transitioned from outside of the game? Dude, that's a good question. And that's funny. That was like a big intention of mine going into the new year, because I think in, in years past, I've, you know, took my foot off the gas a little bit. And the, the falls are a grind for me. You know, it's working seven days a week. It's, you know, September 1 to really December 15th. They're like, yo, we're, 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 we're working here. And so when that's done, I'm like, all right, now I can take a breath. And in years past, I took too long of a breath of, you know, kind of taken off from a content perspective football wise like January and February so this season making a point to to not do that but football has done a good job especially with the transfer portal the NFL draft um, the combine of being year-round so it might not be there might not be as many topics to talk about but there's st certainly still stuff to talk about especially with like transfer portal because guys are always moving around so I'll be I'll do a combo of it looking back to Previous games last year, I did some content around like, you know, top 10 plays NFL the past decade type of type of stuff. But uh, there's a, football's year round. There's always stuff to talk about. It's just a matter of uh, dusting it off, digging it out. What do you see um, for college athletes, any sport? Uh, we kind of learned this during our COVID year when we started making all this and then going into last year, which was our senior year. Um, NIL came into effect. Do you see now, now that you kind of have, and you're always around players, always around, uh, schools, do you see more and more players starting to work with NIL? Are certain programs more leery and kind of iffy about sending their players to do that? I know some schools are all in, some schools are not. Um, what do you see if you were an athletic director? Would you be taking advantage of all this with your players and helping players do this or? 
Definitely. And I think uh, any athletic director that doesn't is going to be going to be left behind. Um, but yeah, for NIL, there's really two major buckets. There's the NIL collectives, which you'll hear, which is basically boosters pulling together a pot of money to, you know, re, uh, provide to players and um, provide resources for them. Um, and then there's like brand deals, which, you know, the TikTok, Instagram, we're, we're more familiar with that in terms of hey, Nike is paying so-and-so X amount of money to create certain posts or do an appearance or things like that. And I think the collectives are certainly here to stay. It is only a matter of time before some program has some rich booster that basically says, screw it. I have more money than I know what to do with. I am going to back my university, Colorado, and I'm going to give them a couple million every single year. I'm, I'm going to buy my way to a championship. I think that's only a matter of time. Colorado was just the example I was thinking of because I got a Deion Sanders thing here. But just like we saw Clemson take over the um, social media era of football, right? Clemson went all in on social media in like 2016, 2015, 2016. That, amongst other things, facilities as well. They are now a blue blood program. Clemson, to my dad and his generation, is just a fine program. They're not a blue blood program, but Clemson took advantage of that era. And as a result, now they are a blue blood program for every 18 year old kid who's a recruit. Similar with Oregon, Oregon, not a blue blood program in 2000. They, you could argue where they're at right now, but the arms race of facilities and uniforms and swag in the early, in the mid two thousands, they won that. And as a result, they're front of mind for every recruit in the country. Who's yeah. a four or five star guy. So I think there's going to be a school that takes advantage of this NIL wave. It's ne not necessarily blue blood right now. That um, is as a result of NIL. The brand deal side of things, it's funny, man. And, and it, I think we all can relate to that. I think two years ago, it was like, oh, every team's get, or every university is going to invest a ton in content and make um, every player a personal brand and all that. But I don't care how much money you invest into that. You need to have guys that are comfortable pressing posts on social media to build that brand. And that's not going to happen anytime soon for the masses. Yes, you're going to have guys here and there. But I think that's actually going to taper off a little bit, um, which is awesome because it leaves ways for guys like us to uh, slide in there and work with sports brands when USC's running back isn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. So I think, it, I think that side will taper off. I think NIL is here to stay and uh, will be a major factor in uh, in football, especially in the years to come. Yeah. Do you see that collective, the NIL collective somehow becoming an issue one day and kind of taking away from college football or making that making college football seem more like the NFL? If there's people purchasing have per with purchasing power, creating these super teams all of a sudden at University of Colorado or something like you said, um does it ever is it what's the fine line before it takes away that college football nfl split in your opinion yeah there's de definitely concerns I i'm not in the camp that it's a an issue or like oh man i i miss the old days of football and you got to keep tradition like okay of course i it hurts me that usc is going to the big 10 because i want to see <laughs> usc versus uw every right. other year right out here here out west like that part is i guess just different and new but it's not i don't view that as as an issue and i come at it from a perspective of hey i was a five-star recruit and coaches made millions off of signing guys like me right that was how they made money 
and I graduated or I left football with like, you know, 10 grand in my bank account. And that was because I like saved my stipend check. So I missed out on a ton of money as a result of not being in the NIL world. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. which is life-changing and I'll be fine. I'll be okay. But like I have teammates and peers that were four or five star guys in that era that are in the, were in the same dynamic of me, things didn't work out. And then they are kind of shit out of luck. And that's what's front of mind for me is that that guy should get money when he is the five-star recruit. And I think that part is good. What, you know, you're going to get your market value, what someone's willing to pay, you're going to get your market value. And is that going to make, is that going to hurt schools like a Oregon state or a Washington state here out West and maybe make the divide a little bit more? Sure. But I think that's just kind of the nature of, of where things are heading. It's inevitable. Um, I do think there's got to be some sort of guidelines around, you know, what you can do, when you can do it. But uh, big picture, I think the payment the payment side is good because that's what uh, the market says those players are, uh, are deserving of. Yeah, for sure. And we, we need NCAA football back, too, for Xbox because <laughs> that was yeah. one of my favorite I made it in there. Out. I was in the – yeah. I graduated high school early, and so I got to USC January 13. The last one ever made was NCAA 14, yep. which is like, you know, they're always like a year ahead. And I'm the USC freshman quarterback, <laughs> like who's like a 65 overall. Um, so I was the last the last class to make the cut in the video game. That's great. Yeah, going, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, going back to the NIL thing, we were lucky enough – to because when we first started the account it was in the talks it was uh it wasn't approved yet so we were kind of just building off of just our own kind of friendship videos didn't have any kind of brands pressuring us to fall into things that maybe wouldn't fit because we literally weren't allowed and then we we, we built a, a following enough to where once it was approved uh brands were kind of coming at us from all directions and we kind of had to pick and choose which ones fit us more. So do you think that a lot of athletes have to be able to prepare themselves to kind of not just take all the money or take, take the brands that have the biggest names or whatever, but more kind of suit their own personality? Definitely. And I think that's, you know, a best practice for any content creator. Now I'm tapping into the, the, the Gary V learnings and whatnot. But I think one of the worst things you can do as a content creator is work with every brand that sends you X amount of dollars just to make a living and whatnot. Because one, you kind of set you, uh, you lose a little bit of trust with your audience, right? Because they're like, Oh, this dude's promoting everything. But then two, you're not going to convert as well from a brand perspective, right? That's one thing my wife's a content creator. And when she started her, uh, her business, um, she did not do any brand deals the first couple of years. And so she gained a lot of trust with her audience of, you know, not selling you like one of the worst things you, you can do on social is sell, 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 sell. I literally was had a conversation about that from one of my real estate partners the other day. She was like, Oh, just go to the building and say, um, like, you know, sell the building for a TikTok video. I was like, that's not how TikTok works. It's not how social works. People don't want to get sold to all the time. Anyways, um, I, I do think being an intentional with the brands you work with is is uh, is front of mind because you'll convert convert better. That brand will pay you more. You won't have to make as many brand deals, um, and your audience will trust you. Um, I think to really crush it in the brand deal world, you get you know 
two to five brand deals with some bigger companies that pay you well. And um, it becomes less uh, immersive too. And I think it's easier to sustain as a content creator rather than doing 15 brand deals a month or whatever, whatever that looks like. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. I think uh, that was a pretty valuable thing for people to hear. And hopefully that the younger people coming up, because obviously this is getting more and more popular and they might not, know things like that and they might not know that every time you do a brand deal if it's the wrong one your fans or your uh, people that watch you might start swaying away from you luckily we've uh we've been pretty lucky with that but what do you say yeah no for sure yeah, you get think- you get you get brand deals off of uh engagement i think a lot of people mm-hmm. just focus only on the followers you know, so much of it's about engagement. You have good good engagement on Instagram and whatnot. Your story views are going to go higher, which, hey, my wife, um, you know, she's got really good engagement for the followers that he she has. And she can get, you know, more than people that have double the amount of followers. So that's what I would say is that it's not always about the, the number at the top of your profile. It's about what's uh, what's going on behind the scenes, too. Yeah, very true. I think that's something overlooked. And I don't I still will never understand how people can purchase just so they can get 50,000 more followers or something like that, because there's really zero value in that whatsoever. Um, Something that we've always been very appreciative of is the engagement from our fans too. And we try to personally reach out to them um, and answer DMS and talk to them when we can. We've, we've called fans before and surprised just because being personal with people goes a lot farther than showing them a pleasant photo or a funny video because there are people just like us we're pretty we're pretty standard human beings over here mm-hmm. um so just being ourselves talking with people and showing that appreciate appreciation for others and the people that do follow you um definitely gets adds your value adds more value to your page and everything you do so what's next for you we hope to see you on ESPN or Fox or CBS one day. Um, is that the ultimate goal? You want to be in a booth with with Jim Nance and Tony Romo or <laughs> sticking more NF- or NCAA? What's next for you and how are you going to get there? Yeah, if I was in the booth with Jim Nance, uh, that would mean Tony Romo has what? Gone to the gone to the sideline and I had to had to swoop in there. Yeah. No, that, I mean that's <laughs> that would be the ultimate goal. I want to call um you know, big, big time college football games in, in the booth. Um, I had a flavor of that with the Pac-12 networks, but obviously, you know, leveling up and, and uh, you know, ha- pushing that, that, that ball forward is, is certainly what I, what I want to do the most. It'd be fun to dive into, speaking of Jim Nance, like golf or something like that, mm-hmm. or do basketball stuff, hoop stuff, which blast. would be a blast. But no, continuing to, to do that. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the ultimate goal, you know, pushing forward on the, the real estate stuff. Uh, would love to make TikTok and a lot of the Instagram um, even more a part of my life. I think it's awesome that the feedback from sharing some of my stories has been great. And yeah, just trying to push all three of those lanes forward. That's great. Yeah. So. Did you see the new uh, PGA Tour show that's coming out? I did. I did. It was actually cool. I went to the... Uh, Riviere, the uh, Genesis Open. It's out here in LA. I yeah. went there last year and I saw the guys filming it. Like, so this was literally a year ago. And I was like, dude, that's going to be so dope when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like they timed it perfectly. The fact that that Netflix doc is coming out 
when all the live stuff I was know. going on. Like that might that. be the best sports Netflix doc that we're about to ever have. I so hope far. so. I, I hope it kind of takes over the F1. Nothing against F1, but I'm more definitely more interested in the PGA tour. I think they'll be sweet. Yeah, they'll be sick. They even got Rory in there, his headline in it. So that's about Oh, really? Wow. He's the savior of the PGA. <laughs> uh, True. One last thing beforehand. Um, we just like to say that we kind of did like a questionnaire thing of who we'd like to, or who our fans would like to see on the show. And your wife was actually requested a couple times. So uh, we'll have, might have to get her on. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's, uh, still asleep right now or also have her make a little cameo, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. If you guys got people requesting my wife, your, your guys's fan base must spread, spread, uh, into the depths of TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all over the place. That's for sure. Yeah. That's, no, exactly, that's awesome. exactly the goal too, is why as well that you came on here is that without what you've done on social media and the fact that You've been building a brand and even though it's real estate and everything else like in commentating, it's, it's not about just the one sport and that you play that, but how there's so much valuable value in sharing all this other things. And that's what we love and thought that you were doing a great job of. Appreciate that guys. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun sharing the story and, uh, I'm glad people find value of it and invite me on to podcasts like this and, Appreciate everyone uh, listening as well. Yeah, and if you ever come out here to do a gopher game or something, let us know. Dude, yes. I need to. I need to. When my well. uh, the Trojans coming out here next year? Or when is that switch? They got a couple uh not next year, but the year after. And yeah, they'll be they'll be heading out to uh Minnesota. One of my good buds in college was uh, Brian O'Neill, the right tackle mm-hmm. for the Vikings. And so I've been uh meaning to get out there for a game. So I got to, got to hit you guys up. What's your prediction for Sunday for the Vikes? Dude, I have, Careful I have need here. to, I know, <laughs> seriously, I need to, uh, I like them, man. And I feel like everyone's sleeping on them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they continue to win and they're like kind of, you know, just hanging off in the, in the background a little bit, maybe not like the team in the, the NFC, but I like the Vikes to win, man. That'll be a good game. I love this weekend of football. It's a blast. Yeah, I'll be chilling on my couch all, all weekend. Us too. We really appreciate you. It was really great to uh, meet you and have a little conversation about your goals, our goals, and sharing our stories together. But uh, everyone go check out Max Brown. All his socials are amazing. Really appreciate you. Feel free to plug your uh, social media in too. Yeah, on TikTok, I'm Brown Max, Brown with an E at the end. Um, and then Instagram, I'm the other way, Max Brown. Twitter, same thing. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you guys there. We appreciate awesome. you. Thanks for coming on the fan awesome. club. Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I really like it's it's different listening to like a rate when you're talking to a radio guy because they they know how to he's talk. so good at they talking. Know how to talk. yeah. It's not fair. It's not yeah, fair. We, We're sitting here stuttering and me, I'm just <laughs> rambling on my questions and yeah. you just a professional answer. Uh, I yeah. love listening, listening to, him. to him. Yeah, I know he's. I think he's going to go places in the commenting world, commentating world. I would say commenting just because of he's smart. Yeah. He knows what works and he's doing it. You can tell he loves it too. He's yeah, too. like he said, he was, it hungry. plays on his whiteboard behind his head. Yeah. That's super <laughs> cool. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. He, well, he moved his head. You might've been fiddling with the camera, but he's moved his head and showed a, 
play that he was analyzing and writing up on a whiteboard in his room. Pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, his Gary Vee stuff was great. Mm -hmm. His, uh, yeah, just his story overall that how much he has kind of been through and where he's at now, again, kind of like with how we started things, this podcast could lead us to something that we have no idea. Yeah, yeah this podcast could be his uh, YouTube in the yeah. kitchen. YouTube in the kitchen. Literally, YouTube in the kitchen is happening right now. And in five years, we could be on a uh, cooking show. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could be saucing with Austin's the boys. Could it. <laughs> when he said too, and how he was analyzing the people on that commentate and how skilled they were, I was mm -hmm. like thinking how it'd be so nice to have him teach us things about that, Especially, and like keeping like, a conversation yeah. going and learning about talking to people. Maybe we should take a class. I would take a class from him. Probably gonna DM him, ask him. All right, for some pointers. Perfect. Let's do Might it as well. Max, we need you. We need you back on. Yeah. We need some lessons on how to talk to strangers. And keep a conversation going, just like we just can't even talk to each other right now. No, we have. Uh, it's very exciting. I love getting new guests, hearing their stories, and everyone's different. Everyone has something, their own perspective, where they came from, and, and their own plan, too. So we're also learning. What was that quote you saw in his bio? Um, it was about failure, failure, failing to, to failing success. to succeed, to, to success, succeed. failing yeah. my way to success, failing my it? way to success. That was that's his bio. In, yeah. That's in Max's bio. That's super cool. And that's a story. He made a TikTok that has, um, photos of his journey. Mm. And if you guys check that video, it's pinned to his TikTok and that quote and his video is just go hand in hand because there's 20 photos of just his different journey of yeah. high school. You know, he was a star and then he got hurt the and then he did so many things and he was with Gary Vee and now he's in real estate and then now commentating and stuff. So that is the definition of probably why it's in his bio, but also just think from his graduation of college, which I believe was 2017, you can fact check me, but to now six years, and he's made his way from Gary V to commentating to real estate to growing in the commentating world. And he set himself up for some pretty good success in six years. And it's because he's always doing things. He's making videos in his kitchen on YouTube. No, like not many people do that mm -hmm. just to get a job or just to practice and be good at something, which again, leads you to something else. And he just, I know there will be good things in his future because you can tell when no when you when you don't quit when you just fail you're always going to fail and if you never quit right. you're never going to lose. His whole life he was supposed to be this NFL quarterback. He found a way to make something of his own when it didn't work out. Um, yeah, it's pretty inspiring, honestly, and definitely love. I think that that dude works his ass off. Mm -hmm. You can just tell. It was oh, 7.30 yeah. his time for that interview. Looked like he'd already been up for an hour. He's very grinding. Yeah. Just, I don't know, one of those people that doesn't seem like anything's going to stop him or get in his way. No. And I think when you work probably with Gary V too, you understand what it takes and how 
I bet if anyone here got a job with Gary Vee, we would realize that there's a defined reason why he's successful hmm. as he is. What are we working on right now currently when we air this? When we record this, sorry. Uh, yeah, so we um, just got back from first week back from the in the new year. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of just setting a lot of stuff up here. Got a new backdrop. Um, Hopefully it looks good. We are actually going to be doing a live show pretty soon next week. So we're getting ready for that. And going to Barry's workout gym tomorrow. Yeah, and Yikes. it looks might be uh, making our Minnesota Wild debut as well. True. Working with Hockey Day in Minnesota, I think it's called, Will. Yep. And Hockey Day in Minnesota and end the day at the Wild Sabres game on January 28th. Yep. Definitely more announcement about that, though. Mm-hmm. You just wait. And as usual, don't forget to hit that automatic download button for all our future episodes so you don't miss any. And follow like, us. Comment. On give us socials. A... We have our yep, TikTok yep. page up and running. Cuddy and Yelly have been working hard at that. And as well, our Instagram page is going as well, where you'll see if you don't watch our YouTube, you'll see a lot of the clips that we'll be posting on there and kind of highlights of the episode that we liked. So don't forget to follow around, follow along on those. And please, please, please leave comments. Um, good, bad, ugly. DMs we like to hear everything. Open. And we actually spend time daily reading comments on all of our platforms. So please leave comments on whether it's just to say hello or some sort of feedback. Um, Guest suggestions. We like to learn from you too. So mm-hmm. say anything you want. Give us any tips on how to make this podcast better. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Lost in Frizz. Good work. Producers. I'm a fan of Max. Yep, Cuddy and, Cuddy and Yelly. Max. Good job. That's the fan club. Max Brown. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.